Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Facebook Live. This is your host, uh, Mr. Zerflu here, director at the American School of Warsaw. So great to see everybody slowly coming into the room. Uh, uh, we've got a great uh, array of things to talk about tonight and lots of special guests here with me. Uh, again, if you found the link uh, in the uh, Facebook Live, um, uh, section of the ASW parents. You also saw two comments there uh, on the event. Uh, one is for the link to our Slido questions. And of course, parents, you've seen that in the bulletins as well. So you've been filling that out uh, since our last time together. And we'll try to go through all of those at a later point in the meeting tonight. Uh, there's another link there as well, which is our Zoom meeting room. So if you'd like to come over and actually talk with us rather than just typing comments, uh, you're very welcome to click on that link and join us in the Zoom meeting room. It's a bit crowded tonight, though. We have lots more people over here uh, with me tonight to talk about a variety of things going on here at ASW. And, uh, and we're going to share lots of bits and bobs with you tonight, but the recording will be available uh, later tonight and uh, going forward on Zimplicity. Uh, where you can also find lots of uh, pertinent information to our program here, uh, both our mitigation program relative to COVID, as well as lots of things going on through the Zimplicity. I just want to shout out and say, Zimplicity is also open for commenting and for carrying on a dialogue there as well. So please feel free uh, to join us on Zimplicity and carry on the conversation after the town halls and after e-notes. Uh, article. We are always happy to have uh, comments there and be able to connect and respond on things there as well. So lots of channels for you to continue to join us. Um, I'm going to ask my first guest to uh, bring his video on and um, unmute himself. Mr. Pablos is in the house and we really? want to talk about the play. So, you know, talk to me about the play. And I heard today we had a wonderful experience. So how'd it go? <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for having me. Um, the play today, our final dress rehearsal, went went very well. Although uh, I am a bit superstitious, and the old saying goes, "Bad dress, good show." So I'm I'm cautious about saying how how well it went. But we were lucky enough to have a full house of uh, grade eight students as our as our live audience for this very funny, wacky musical comedy. And once they realized that they could, in fact, laugh at high school students, I think they really started to enjoy it. Um, and I think the students on stage really benefited from having a live audience. So, yeah, it went very well. Um, we called it a final dress, but in all other aspects, it was very much a, a final or a first performance. Again, the second would be tomorrow night at 6 p.m. And then the, the third on Friday night at 6 p.m. Uh, again. And I think the link was provided in the e-notes that went out today. So that's the other thing is in e-notes is the link and everybody will be able to watch live. And then they'll also be able to watch uh, recording after. Is that right as well? That's correct. I think it'll take a few hours for it to cache um, uh, the, the recording file and then they can visit the same site again and watch it later on. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's been a fantastic journey. Over 50 high school kids involved. Um, this is definitely uh, the most sort of fantastical show we've done in a long time. Last year, of course, was West Side Story um, and the year before was Guys and Dolls. And so this is very much, you know, big costumes, a lot of makeup. We have a, a cast of 11 ancestors, all of whom are corpses. Um, it sounds, 
sounds scary, but it's it's not at all. It's quite wacky. If you're familiar, uh, the audience with the uh, the Adams Family TV show movie before that, the the graphic, uh, the cartoon strip. Yeah, you can expect wackiness. There's some adult humor that will sail well over the students' heads, but nothing scary at all. So I encourage everybody to tune in. So uh, definitely a play for all ages and something that everybody can enjoy and uh, being able to get it on a big screen at home and share it with the family and have some popcorn, also a good option. I would Absolutely. Well. <laughs> My daughter will be watching it tomorrow uh, on, we'll project it on our, on our wall while I'm at school and she'll be my my soon-to-be six-year-old will be watching it, and she she can't wait. She's been humming the songs for a couple of weeks now, so she'll be watching it on the wall and have some popcorn. And I think she's looking forward to it. So yes, members of or, or all all family members of all ages are are encouraged to to check it out. Um, I think it's absolutely suitable. So, and I've been seeing uh, a couple of times. I've accidentally passed in the hallway, Miss Bechtel, on the music, and I know that she's just literally tripping the light fantastic here over all the th wonderful things that the music has done for kids and so she's very excited about being able to put that aspect of it on the stage are there any other shout outs for people and various components of this and, and oh, what they've contributed and absolutely um as uh, again another theater saying i mean there are no there are no stars in the world of theater it is such a collaborative art form um Cecilia Chenska and Katie Stein uh, are working on the costumes and uh, talk about talk about costuming alone. Like if you if you were able to see Andre Andre Figlevich's uh, photographs, um, those are also linked in the e notes. By the way, that went out this afternoon, they are fantastic. Andre uh, alone deserves a shout out. His 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 pictures make the shows look so good, and um, the lighting. Kasha Kowajajak, the theater manager, um, who without, without whom shows would not happen at the school, frankly, she's such a valuable member of the, the production crew. She just, she works on the lights. And so Andre captured that well. The costumes look fantastic. Maria Abramenko is working on the makeup and the wigs and the hair, which is another separate department entirely. But Catherine and the music, um, absolutely. And we've had, um, we've had, a bunch of student leaders as well. Damian Stoyanov, a senior, is the assistant director. Um, I, I always like to have a, a very well organized and, and motivated student be the assistant director, and he's been fantastic. Um, and then uh, Julia Young, another senior, is the sort of costume supervisor. She's uh, she's running it uh, sort of beneath Cecilia and Katie. Uh, Kate Merritt is the stage manager, and this is a stage to manage. Oh, and speaking of the stage, I, I neglected to mention Susan Ward, uh, former ASW teacher, um, regular set designer for the show, is absolutely in her element with this production. Um, we took the house from Noises Off, if any of your, your viewers and listeners got to see that, in the fall, which was a two-story house. Right. Um, and we, we redesigned it. Susan had this idea in mind as soon as we decided on Adam's Family. Um, it's a similar construction, except we had to take the one staircase that looped out the side, build a symmetrical one on, on stage left, and then turn it into an old Gothic uh, Victorian mansion that would terrify anybody walking in the place. So, oh, that's brilliant. And I was, I actually caught construction of that 
noises off. And so I, I knew mm. that that was an undertaking of itself as you were putting that together. So just amazing that you're able to take that and kind of repurpose it and turn it into this. And I know what was in the underpinnings of that. So that's that's exciting. Right. I, I, I'd like to say that we we never asked ourselves what show has a two-story house, but uh, we did. <laughs> right. At some point that did come up like, oh, we could use this set again. Yeah. So the question will now be like, could we leave this house on stage for future shows? Because it'll be very hard to take it down, but we'll cross that bridge or strike that set as yeah. uh, as we come to it. So, yeah. well, as, as somebody who grew up with the Adams family and has that very much in my uh, uh, early years as a, as a child growing up, I'm excited about this one. This one really resonates with me and brings back lots of lots of fun memories. Uh, yes. certainly lots of, lots of Halloween costumes over the years. I'm absolutely sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think the nostalgia, uh, sort of journey will be there for people, um, who, who, like you say, know the, the TV show and then the movie too with Raul Julia. Oh yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a funny and very entertaining production. Um, we brought in a, an outside choreographer this time to work with us for the first time. And his name's Rafael and he is, fantastic the, the oh, dancing great. is amazing um well, and the brilliant. students have stepped up no it I, I can't wait for a full audience of high school students and um, asw teachers in, in in the theater and then to hear from people watching the live stream to to get their feedback I, knock on wood um it's going to be a strong strong show oh i i have no doubt and I, I again i know everyone's really excited about it we've got some kids on the call we're going to talk to later that were in practice earlier today as well and I know that they were they were saying oh it just went really well and everybody was feeling really good about it so good so I know I know it's going to be a fabulous experience tomorrow while we're on the topic of theater too you also have your uh, your IBDP theater kids uh, mm -hmm. coming quickly to their conclusion right now um, any reflections on how they've been able to muster this year and and still complete a lot of their challenges? I know we've had various activities still in the theater with the distancing and 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 them being able to do some of their individual pieces and mm -hmm. and their mm -hmm. continued work. So are they feeling solid going into the final stages here? I think it, many of them are involved in the show. So I think if I, uh, I, I'll see them tomorrow, for example, roughly um, three quarters of the year two, the senior class is involved in the play. And then about 90% of those in the year one theater class are in the, the production. So they are, they are continuing to work on the year twos in particular, their final two assessments um, while they're working on the show. But I think once, once Friday comes, um, we'll be able to return full force. But as you say, um, these, are, these are coming quickly. And so the, they're currently working on their solo performances. And currently we have on the schedule, those performances are happening on April 2nd. And I think, um, I, I think it's gonna be a rush to the finish. Um, I think the week, next week will be a lot of rehearsals in the theater, but um, I can't wait to see what uh, they, they produce. I've been working with them on, on the, the process of um, establishing lights and finding set pieces. And I know Giacomo Mili, for example, um, grade 12 DP theater student, higher level, he, uh, he's asked me to order and I've ordered this large reflective sheet um, that he's using for his solo. And so he has a, he has a really cool idea. And uh, Chris Colompe, again, um, who plays Fester as it happens in the uh, the production of Adam's <laughs> Family, 
has requested the use of the dry ice machine that Adam Campbell and uh, the members of the, the design class built for the production. And so we actually use dry ice. So once we solved that challenge, oh. Chris Clompe said, can, can I use that for my solo? And we said, Kasha and I said, well, we've tested it. We know we're using it. We know what it does to the floor. And so absolutely. So there, there have been some nice overlaps with uh, the production oh, and some of the things we've tested out. So Oh, that's brilliant. And are we uh, showcasing the solos this year in any way? Are we going to be able to push those out in video form? Absolutely. Um, we have to film them um, for the IV. I thought so. We, yeah. yeah. And so we intend, uh, we, we have this fabulous new uh, camera, this video camera that was, that was purchased uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, primarily for, for capturing uh, DP art um, uh, showcases for all, all in-class and then external recording of, of arts and uh, performing arts uh, stuff that needs to either be uploaded to the IB, just a really high quality camera. And so we're going to use that um, to stream as well. So we, oh, will, yeah. we will film them, record them for the IB, but then we intend to stream them, of course, because um, obviously the, the audience will be limited in the theater, but we will certainly advertise that in the next, as soon as the show kind of uh, damps down after Friday, uh, starting next week, you'll start to see some posters and some um, promotional material for the um, for the uh, DP theater night. Um, and it'll kind of be in conjunction with, hopefully people have already seen the the poster for the DP art show. Well, that was where I was going next, because I know you're yeah. also coordinating performing in visual arts, and I know mm -hmm. DP art shows kind of got some dates set and mm -hmm. is ready to kick off. I think uh, next town hall on the 31st, we'll probably be showcasing that because we'll be right in the middle of that week. Right, 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 right. Um, um, as as you your audience may have seen, the uh, Integrated Chaos, the name of the uh, DP visual arts exhibition that Miss Nonato has has shepherded with her class, uh, amazingly talented group of students. And um, yeah, I know she's very excited for everybody to see their work. Last year, of course, was the, the virtual exhibition. Uh, this year, uh, sort of a hybrid version. Um, the details are in the uh, on the website that's again in the e-notes. So if people wanna check out the particulars, but I hopefully everybody already knows um, with, with the oversight of Ms. Nonato, like it is, each year, the bar is raised that much higher, and I Absolutely. think our, our DP visual arts program. So I'm very excited. Thanks. Um, yeah. Well, that's great. We're getting lots of comments, and including some people who had the sneak peek on the uh, dress rehearsal and said it was amazing. Oh. So oh, they're already they're already whipping up the frenzy of interest in in uh, the night tomorrow night. So I know everybody's going to be tuned in. Well, to well, paraphrase. Uh, Paraphrase Gomez, uh, Adam, sorry, a line from the show. He says, uh, tell your friends, word of mouth is so important. So he has this line <laughs> in the show. Oh, brilliant. Mr. Pavlos, thanks for joining us tonight. And thank you for uh, keeping us updated on this. Springtime is always where we see a lot of these things come to fruition. And it seems the winds of spring are definitely blowing in the halls of uh, the school through the performing and visual arts. So thank you for all you. that you're doing and for all of your team, please pass on our gratitude for everything that they're doing. I absolutely will. Thank you, Mr. Zerflup, for having me on. <laughs> Thank you. All right, um, Mr. Little, I know you're out there someplace and I see Mr. Hootie's online as well. Let's talk about um, the board of directors and uh, things that are going on there. Let me get a spotlight on you and uh, Mr. Hootie as well. Good evening, everybody. 
Um, Mr. Pavlos is a very difficult act to follow. It um, is, absolutely. I, I wasn't thinking <laughs> about the schedule of tonight, but um, oh well, I will try not to bore everybody. Please go see the show. Um, I know my kids are helping out with it too and just excited about uh, putting it on. So uh, can't wait to see it. So I'm going to throw up uh, my PowerPoint here so that um, you can uh, see the channel. Tonight we're talking about the board elections. And so um, why don't you go ahead? I've got the slide that we used last week. I don't know if you can see that of the sure. vacancies. Uh, let's start there and then we can talk about what's coming up Monday night and then uh, shortly thereafter um, our elections that are coming up. Sure. Well, I'm, uh, let me let me start by saying I'm glad to have Peter Hootie on on the call here uh, with me tonight. Peter is a member of our governance committee, and he's the one who has coordinated this year's election. So um, thank you, Peter. I'm glad to have you here as well. Um, we have a big turnover on the board this year, and we're smack in the middle of the season of figuring out who will take up these slots and and carry the leadership forward into next year. Um, so quickly. Uh, what you see on the screen is, is the breakdown of positions. Um, there's a couple in white up at the top that are appointed by the embassy and both of those are turning over. One of those is me. Um, so I will be bidding a very sad farewell. Um, below that, there are uh, a total of five and possibly six positions that the board itself appoints. And those are divided approximately equally between US and non-US citizens. And we are filling two of those positions. Uh, I'm sorry, three of those positions this year. Correct. And then we have our standard two elected positions that we'll be looking to fill, one American and one non-American position this year. So, so can, it's, it's a fairly big turnover. It is. Uh, and yet, when we take a look at, um, at the appointed positions, we are capturing some institutional knowledge. Uh, but let's talk about the embassy first. We've got um, Catherine and Anne coming in from the embassy. Again, this is all pending board uh, confirmation Monday night, but um, you want to tell us anything about Anne and Catherine? Sure. Well, uh, very quickly, the, the appointments will be put in front of the board for voting on this week, and then the elected um, candidates will be approved by the board at the next board meeting, just to give everyone an idea of the timetable. Um, so Anne Gabrielson and Catherine Labanca, Kay Labanca, um, will be replacing uh, Matt Shields and myself as the embassy appointed um, members on the board. Anne is actually uh, Matt's replacement at the embassy as the management officer and coming in with many years of experience and uh, looking forward to her arrival in the early August timeframe. Um, she's deep in the throes of learning Polish right now. So uh, I'm not sure whether uh, enduring a pandemic or learning Polish is harder, but <laughs> <laughs> hard to I, choose. <laughs> I tried and I think I eventually waved the white flag myself. Um, but uh, Kayla Banka is here and uh, hopefully many of you have had a chance to meet her. She's been here since August of this, of this past year, 2020, um, and wasted no time getting involved in the school. So she's been involved in a number of PTO events. I think she's um, heading up the English language practice. And she's done a, a whole bunch of, of different adult and, and um, learning facilitation over the course of her career. Um, it, when you get a chance, it's a little hard to read what's on the screen, I'm sure. But um, you know, she's, she's got a variety of experience from, from different institutions. And she's a bit of an entrepreneur and 
and um, philanthropist as well. So coming with a good background, she is going to be replacing me as the chair of the board. Um, so I will be focusing a lot of my time between now and the end of the year in doing handover and making sure that she understands not just how the board has been involved in, in uh, leading the school through this year, but some of the key objectives that we're trying to carry on from a longer term perspective and carry forward, keep momentum going. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting her up to speed and then handing her the keys um, come July. And again, these are appointed by the chief of mission of the U.S. Embassy as per our bylaws. And so the board's action on Monday night will be to confirm and effectively thank the mission, the chief of mission for uh, supplying us with candidates for those two positions. Um, as we move on to the appointments now, the board and governance committee have reviewed all the applications that have been coming in over time. And they're putting forward these three individuals for the appointed roles. Uh, I think, as you pointed out, uh, two of them are non-U.S. and one is U.S., which gives us a balance still of that 3-2-2-3 two, two, uh, in terms of the appointed positions. Um, but the name in the middle we'll all recognize, that's Anna Hutenchopska. Um, and Mr. Hootie, you and I could probably explain this, but this is based on um, Anna's finishing up an elected term. And the board has now chosen to put her forward for an appointment to effectively continue her service to the board. And then we're adding to that Mr. Kogut and Mr. Wolf um, to our uh, appointed candidates. So if I got that right, I, did, did I miss anything? That's right, John. That's exactly it. So exactly it. go ahead, Peter, jump in. No, no, that's it. I was just saying that uh, what, you, what you said, John, is uh, exactly on the, on the mark. Now, you and I have spent a little bit more time because our role on the governance committee has been kind of orchestrating the calendar and the sequence of this. And uh, maybe uh, we should talk a little bit about um, why we do appointments before we go into the election, that we really are looking for some things. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, John. Um, with the appointments, well, let me back up real quick. The, the board, in considering its own makeup, uh, uses a couple of tools, one of which we call our, our skills gap matrix. And basically we're trying to ensure that the board has a broad representation of, of both professional skills and also to, to a certain extent a representation across the divisions of the school. So it's, it's great if we have trustees who have kids in elementary, trustees who have high school, middle school, and across the spectrum. And in, in some cases we may have trustees with, with kids in all three divisions. So um, that's always good because it helps the trustees to, uh, to stay connected with which issues are prominent for the various divisions of the school in any given situation in the school year. We also look for a, a balance of professional skills. And so with the appointments, what we're doing is looking at people's background and their, their experience and their interests and what they're passionate about. And we're trying to make sure that we're plugging the, the biggest gaps that we see um, that are coming open with the vacancies that, that open. And, and so we appoint those people in, but equally it's important for the community and every parent that's at ASW is a, is a tried and, and carded member of the ASW community. It's important for the community to also feel like they're having input into uh, who's joining the board and not really representative of a constituency, but that there's um, a chance to have a say in, in who they think, who the community thinks would be a good addition to the board. 
And so that provides a balance between having the skills that we need and not being overloaded with one kind of skill versus another kind of skill, but at the same time being very open and transparent and community engaged in terms of the membership of the board. So that leads us kind of from these appointments into I think your next slide, which will talk about some of our elected candidates. Am I on cue, John? You are on cue. And I just want to emphasize, I, I meant to say this at the beginning, but I want to I want to tell everybody that all of this material that you're seeing, don't squint and try to read it. It's all going to be available to you. The appointments will all be in the board packet, which will come out Friday as usual before our Monday board meeting. And then the uh, for the elected positions, you'll see these flyers as well as introductory videos that will come out as part of the ballot and certainly in e-notes announcing uh, the candidates so that you have plenty of time to take a look at that and then we'll kick off voting. All of our calendar this year is a bit earlier than we normally do. We're trying to make sure we have all of this done so that these uh, new elected and appointed board members have the maximum opportunity to be involved with board activities at the end of the year, including uh, a retreat that we've got planned in June. So we're excited to have them. So this is our US position. We currently have uh, Heather and I think Heather, you're here. So you wanna turn your video uh, on and, and unmute yourself there and just say hi. I mean, I, I, I we got a good picture of you on the flyer here. <laughs> hi everybody, my name's Heather. <laughs> So welcome to Heather. Uh, Greg, Heather, uh, this is the U.S. position, and Heather, you're currently running unopposed, um, and that won't change now because our, our actual nomination process uh, is concluded. Um, Heather, do you want to say anything about your uh, interest in serving on the board and just kind of say something about yourself? Oh, sure. I'm really excited about this opportunity. Um, we moved to Warsaw this summer, summer of 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, and we had heard a lot about the American School of Warsaw before we had arrived. And um, so far this has been a really wonderful experience. I live across the street and so uh, I have three kids at ASW and pretty soon I'll actually have a kid in all three parts of the school in high school, middle school and elementary school. And after spending a lot of time talking to the current board members, I think that this sounds like a wonderful school and a wonderful board to be a part of. And I'm just honored to even be considered for the position. So thank you for everything so far and for um, giving me the floor for a minute or two. Thank you very uh, much. No, it's great, Heather. We're glad to have you here and give you a chance to uh, say hi. And there'll be plenty of other opportunities as well as we get into the year. Um, so that's our US. Greg, anything you wanna add about that? I would just add that I'm thrilled to have Heather interested in the position and, and um, looking to join the board. And I think she'll be a great addition to the board. So I know it's uh, running unopposed, but uh, if you had to choose a candidate um, to, to run for the position, I think Heather would be pretty close to it. That's great. And so glad to have you. And then okay, we and then we've got our non-US position. And we do have two that are running for this position, um, both uh, individuals that have stepped forward, have uh, done our aspiring board member training and are prepared to take on, uh, potentially take on a role. Uh, they're not with us tonight, but they'll be having materials and they have videos prepared that we'll be sharing out next week. 
um, and, and give everybody a chance to watch them and read through their materials before making their decision on the ballot. But um, these are our non-US candidates this year. And again, we're only turning over one position, US and non-US in the elected roles um, each year. So um, this is our election effectively. And John, I'd, I'd, I'd jump in again and say, I'm, I'm thrilled that we have such excellent candidates stepping forward. Um, both Amila and Sachin are coming with good experience and, and a passion for the work. Um, and, and so I think we've got good options. Uh, the board has um, what we call the trusty pipeline where we're constantly trying to cultivate new, uh, new people who are interested in getting involved in the board and sometimes they join committees before there's a board spot available. Sometimes they just wanna plug into a very specific area where they feel they can contribute. And we've been really blessed this year with a strong pipeline of people that have expressed interest. And so even though there's so many people turning over this summer, we've got uh, a number of people who've uh, stepped up, who are very excited. They've attended the training that you offered. Uh, in some cases, they've already engaged on committees and I think this school is in very good hands. Excellent. Well, Mr. Hootie, are we ready to run our election? What do you think? Are yes, we yes, I was going to say we should mention the dates. So the voting starts uh, March 24th, right? Correct. Right on March 30th. So please get involved. Spread the word around. We're looking forward to a, a good turnout of voters. And we'll be sending an uh, uh, invitation directly to all parents. Uh, with, with, the, uh, with the link to take you to your ballot so that you can vote. Um, and uh, it'll be quick and simple. And we wanna get as many of you voting as possible. Remember all parents are all members of the school association. And so you all are voters uh, in the election. And, uh, and that's important to note and mention. Uh, if, you ever look, if you're looking for information on bylaws or information about election or positions or anything else, remember you can log into PowerSchool and click on quick links. And that'll take you to a page of all kinds of board related stuff. But up in the upper right corner, you'll see a link to the board policy manual. And the very first chapter is the bylaws. And that guides everything that we're talking about tonight. Uh, everything from the positions, their roles and responsibilities, the commitments that board members make, um, as well as the process and uh, the sequence that we go through. So uh, please take a look and, and, and feel free to access that as you need to. Mr. Little, Mr. Hootie, thank you so much for joining me tonight and talking about the board and everything that we're doing there. A reminder to everyone, board meeting is Monday night, the 22nd, uh, 6 p.m., and you'll receive the board packet as well as your invite to join us at that board meeting on Friday, as we always do. So look for that uh, email to come out and the link to sign up for the board meeting. And remember, there's a section of the board meeting um, that's committed to public comment. So if you want to share your thoughts with the board and give you give the board your sense of a particular issue, that's an opportunity for anyone in the school association to do so. And we welcome that um, and look forward to um, members of our community stepping up and providing their, their thoughts and their insights. Um, so with that, I'll let you go, gentlemen, and we'll move on to the next topic. Thanks again for being here tonight. Thank, Thank you, you very much, John, and nice to talk with everyone. Great, Great to speak, everybody. Thank you. All right. I'm going to shift now to Precious Plastics. I know there's lots of people out there, including 
If I can get them uh, identified here, they're out in the actual space. So I'm gonna add the spotlight here. Uh, there they are running around and doing all kinds of work. We've got people on stools out front. Just say hi, everybody. Now I'm going to come back to you, so don't go anywhere, um, because I want to play the video that we pulled together. I think it's uh, it's brilliant, and it'll give us a good introduction. And I'm going to come back to you for a little bit of Q and A, if that's okay with you. You guys, good for that? All right, perfect. All right, here we go, everybody. This is the video, and we're going to tell you all about precious plastics. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're here at the Precious Plastics Studio and getting a handle on what has been installed on the opposite side of the parking lot from the high school that everybody's been wondering about. And this is a project that's been actually now almost two years in the making. And uh, this is the fruition of its first stage, if you will, of implementation. And so we're going to hopefully hear from all the members of the Precious Plastic Squadron today and uh, hear about the machines. And we're going to start over here on my far left. Tell us what you're standing next to over there. And then by the time we get to the end, hopefully everybody will know what we're actually trying to do here. <laughs> Go so, ahead. Hi, guys. My name's Patrick. So over here, we have two machines. This machine is a shredder where you put in plastic and shredded plastic comes out. Seems pretty simple. This over here is the extrusion machine where the shredded plastic goes in and then gets extruded into a three millimeter two by six. And so what does that mean? What is a, what's a three millimeter two by whatever so that's coming out to you? So the plastic is melted in okay. the tube and then what we have here is this, we can spool it then on. So okay, so it's kind of like, so it's a filament yeah, and it's, it's actually filament. a hard filament that's going on to a spool. Right. Okay. Create something. So in essence, what I'm hearing is this side of the room is raw material creation. Yes. yes. Okay. So take us then to next stage. What are we doing here then with that raw material, or is this further helping us refine it? Uh, well, this is an injection molder and. Okay. Uh, instead of like loosely putting a plastic flow on the other hand, it uh, melts down the plastic and makes it into uh, into you can inject it into a pre-built mold. Okay. Uh, so consistent. Uh, this one's better for like smaller products, and you can get consistency of shapes. So like for mass producing. So that's the mass production element. So we can take again the plastic that we've now. Got it here, but, and then and push it in here, here, and we can end up with a product. And right. then we can do that over and over, over again. And over again. Okay. Yeah. So what are, what do we what takes us over here, and what's on this side? Uh, well, this is another uh, machine similar to this one. This is called compression, and uh, it does a similar job. It takes the uh, molten plastic and puts it into a mold, but uh, and it uh, compresses it with high heat and with a car jack. But the difference between this and that one is that, first of all, this requires a human to press it, right. whereas this one uh, uses a car jack. And this one uh, and this machine can actually take a much bigger mold than this one allows us to do. So larger items here. Larger still items, mass production, but still, larger items that we can put more material in. And also material that are actually harder to uh, compress. Got it. Brilliant. And I can actually see the car jack down here, so I'm assuming okay. that gets incorporated and then you just press. Yes. Okay. And and. The, so these are the two production units, but there's another 
way that the plastic can be used, right? Or potentially used. Am I right in saying that some of this material can also go into 3D materials? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, and that's over here. You may not be able to see this on camera, but we've got, uh, oh, I see. Okay, so this is where we're spooling uh, material that then would be used in the 3D printers up in the yeah, island. So, so yeah, bring that out and just yeah. show that to everybody. This can then be spooled onto. Okay, so this is a collection. That's right. why we have to film it being made for the 3D printers right. as well. Okay, so we've got mass production, molding and pressing, smaller items, bigger items. We've got spools going into 3D printers. And so if you guys haven't figured out yet, we're talking about plastics. <laughs> so now talk to us about where do the plastics come from? Your community. Yeah. From the community. <laughs> this is brilliant. And what kinds of plastics are we going to be looking for? And maybe you want to pull your sh your container out here in the middle, right? Somebody want to just bring that and bring it right up here with us? Yeah, just bring it over here. So we're going to be presumably looking for these containers around campus. Somebody want to tell us what we're aiming for? So, uh, so we're aiming for quite a few types of All right, well, come on out here and stand by this and show us what we want. Sure. Primarily, one big type of plastic that we want is the type of plastics you find in bottle caps. Mm -hmm. And these types of plastics are, you know, we consider them one of the best plastics to work with. Also, they happen to be the most common types of plastics. Okay. We also have a couple more types we will label on these. We currently can handle also bottle plastics. So, okay. as you may know, plastics in bottle caps and plastics in bottles are actually different types of plastics. And so we need to process them separately. That's why we would, when we're asking you, we would ask you to bag some types of plastic separately. So when we're dealing with them, it will be easier for us to deal with them. But ideally, we have these types of plastics here, and we will put out more information as to where you can find them in terms of products. And the main thing here, and I'm just going to say this up front so we can start off well, you guys are going to look for these labels. These are not garbage cans. <laughs> these are for this special project. They have a unique look to them. They're going to have labels on them, and we want you to assist in getting the right plastics in here, I presume. And then we'll still do some additional sorting to make sure they're the right plastics for the process. And in, in the furthest extent of this, how much product and what kinds of things do you foresee making through this recycling effort? I mean, the main idea of, of our facility is to take these used plastics and reintroduce them back into our school community. So. Uh, kind of everything from arts, particularly service projects. So reaching out to those uh, communities, uh, seeing what their needs might be that we can assist with. So a big need that we've heard of already is flower pots, mm -hmm. right? So that's definitely uh, a market uh, we're trying to hit. Another uh, thing that we will start producing is our frisbees and uh, dog balls. Mm, okay. So All right. those are the two, we're, uh, together with the. Uh, things are you're going to have to make products and then put them out there see how popular they yeah, are right. if it's popular you keep making it if it's exactly. not you look right. move to something else and that's how we're going to also collect new um, ideas is that if there is you know somebody comes to us with an idea we we can consider just sure. making it right? yeah so we will be flexible when it comes to it. we'll just react to the demand for certain products so i mean kind of leading to this pathway we started reducing the amount of bottles and plastics in our environment. And so we've gone to water filling and those kinds of things. But 
That doesn't eliminate plastic, so this gives us another layer now to start taking some additional plastic out of going into landfills and instead turn it into useful products, particularly products that might last for an extended period of time. So I like the idea of the dog bowls and flower pots because those are items that you kind of hold on to and keep working for you for an extended period of time. So what we want is other ideas, obviously, so everyone out there should be thinking about things that could eventually become part of this project. We should quickly mention that this project, Jan, is partially funded yeah. by a grant yeah. from the IB, uh, I think the MYP program, yeah, or? The MYP integrated program. It, it got created last year. So last year was the first time. And we applied because we wanted um, grant money. Uh, it was a three-step application process. We submitted our idea, uh, our theme, and what it's gonna bring to our community. Uh, I helped do that, Julia helped do that. Uh, Julia created the budget, we submitted the application, uh, and then we progressed, and we became finalists, and that's how we were able to fund the whole thing, and yeah. Great. Yeah, and you may not be able to see Jan over here on the side, because he's on crutches over here, but he's carried this through this project, despite broken leg and multiple surgeries. <laughs> so good on you, man. <laughs> uh, what else? Anything else about precious plastics? What about um, sustainability? Um, we've talked about... Um, you know, students that are gonna to continue to carry this through into next year. I think you've got some on the squad yeah. here and others certainly that aren't here with us tonight. Yeah. How's the recruiting going and are you ready to hand this over in June? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, speaking of seniors, you know, we're gonna be handing this off from our capable hands in June <laughs> uh, into even more capable hands, you know. Uh, we've got programs started in the middle school uh, we're getting elementary schoolers involved, so we're trying to, you know, get the roots of the project flowing deep into the school, so... And that's where uh, we'll start collecting plastics uh, in high school, middle school, and elementary. We're hoping that more people will know about the uh, initiative and more people will be willing to further um, commit to the idea of sustainability and lowering the amount of plastic waste and therefore there, there will be probably more members coming into this project. And certainly one of the things we did is position you and choose a building that would give you a high degree of visibility here. I don't think we could have done much better than this. <laughs> People have been asking me left and right, what's that building, what's that all about? And so I think you've got the attention and yeah. I, now it's all about uh, taking it to the next level, which is turning things on and, and seeing how they work. Well, thanks to the Precious Plastics team for being here with me. Thanks to Mr. Sinway, Activities Department, Mr. Mealy. Thank you for your advisorship of this group. Um, but to all of you, this is a great initiative. Let's, uh, let's look forward to seeing it take off. Thanks. All right. Thank you. All right. Good. Go. 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 Collected and cleaned by elementary students. Yo, So maybe you want to take a, a gander in there. Mr. Mealy, why don't you come back and let's talk about this. This is just so fun and so brilliant. Uh, you guys still on out there? Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. on here.
So, guys, I'm just so impressed with this, and and thank you so much for joining us here tonight. You got yourselves lit up out there in the dark with your coats on, and what what did we not cover last night that has come to you since our our session yesterday, and and what kind of things are you most excited about getting started on this? Oh, you may have frozen there. Ah. I'm sorry, did we... Uh, did yeah, you we... just froze. Go ahead. I can hear you now. Okay. Good? Lovely, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so what do we did not cover? I mean, did we not cover anything. We covered most of it. I feel like we didn't cover much about the compression machine, but essentially... No, I, I think, to be honest, yeah. we've covered yeah, the most. covered pretty most. much everything. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. We should talk more about how we are collecting the plastic. And so we we fleshed out our plan, and our plan now is across the school we're going to have a series of bins we're going to release on these will be qr codes looks to me like our plan to plug in from out there may not be going the best way for us here tonight so i apologize for that everyone like student council for example and they're hosting competitions for students to be able to collect plastic uh, as like a fun little activity and like whoever collects the most plastic for example gets hot chocolate as uh, a reward and like small competitions like that or like events in the school to help collect plastic. Great we caught the tail end of that and I'm glad we still got a little bit of glitchiness on the network but it's okay. Again you guys are doing a fabulous job out there I mean it's just such amazing work. When do you, you, got, when do you think the first product will come out? What? Wow. Oh, I mean let's shoot for two weeks. Yeah, yeah, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, three yeah. weeks, two, three weeks. Oh, exciting. And, and, if, and, if, and if families and kids want to come out and just look through the window, that's fine. Are you going to kind of leave some things out so they can see things in process? Maybe leave a little bit of mess so that they can see what it looks like when it's working? Of course. I mean, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll even host, sometimes we'll even invite some classes, middle school and elementary to come out. We even come in with us to show them know how we're doing the plastic what is it going to be like and more importantly how they can help with contributing because our plan in the end is to have some middle school and elementary schoolers as part of this precious plastic team as well yeah and we have to get the safety regulations on yeah we don't forget that so until we get the safety regulations like in place i don't think anybody's going to do it, but of course they can come outside and look at what's going on Brilliant, guys. Thanks so much for coming in and sharing all this with us. The video was absolutely astounding yesterday. I know there's lots of cleaning and steps and things that kids are going to be involved in. So we really are looking at something that's going to weave its way through the entire fabric of the school. And as we talked about in the video, this is like taking another layer off plastics in the world and how we can begin um, to take yet more out of those landfills and, and make it more sustainable. So um, brilliant. And, and of course, we've got expansion plans out here, too. I know we've got other machines that we're looking at. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to do some additional fundraising down the line. I should hasten to mention, since we've got a parent audience out there, um, that we're looking for uh, corporate partners and sponsors on this as well. So if there are any companies out there that would like to participate in this or help us in some way uh, to ramp up what we're doing, we're, we're excited about talking to you. So please get in touch with us 
there's always plenty of partnership opportunities at ASW for the kinds of things that really um, help us change the world for the better. So thank you guys. Thank you so much for sitting in the cold out there while we waited to get to you. I appreciate it. It looks beautiful in the dark out there. And we're absolutely proud of what you guys are doing and what you're going to bring to the school. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you for having us. Yep. All right. Let's see. Um, I think that hit everything that was on my agenda tonight. And I saw that Dr. O is in the house. So Dr. O, how are you doing this evening? And have you got your video on? And there you go. Hi, good evening. How are you? Good, thanks. How about yourself? Uh, busy world out there right now. Busy Any world. Reflections on all the announcements today? Yeah, I know. It's... Uh... It's uh, it's concerning. <clears throat> it's concerning that we are, you know, that we are increasing the number of infections so drastically, and uh, I think you know the lockdown obviously <clears throat> is kind of the, as I was always saying, the easy way out. Uh, if you don't do twenty first century approach like you guys are doing. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, let's see how it goes. Uh, I mean, it's. Uh, you know, the, the data, interestingly, is now that over 50% of the cases are the British variant. Yep, okay. and so they're seeing like, that in the U.S. as well, I presume. Yeah, just like we kind of anticipated that uh, mm -hmm. very soon it will be the dominating strain. <laughs> and it is, uh, again, you know, what, what we are seeing with the new strain is obviously it, it is quite infectious. Uh, it is a bit more severe. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, for now, I think uh, we keep for it and uh, <clears throat> we are seeing, you know, we are seeing uh, more and more companies in Poland uh, choosing to go into the weekly testing protocols. Very good. <laughs> yeah. I think a much better approach anyway. than also. Yeah, certainly. And I, I've had uh, conversations with multiple schools as well that are looking at additional strategies yeah. and certainly testing to one of them along with all the other Swiss cheese layers that we're always talking are. about. Um, relative to the UK variant, I don't know if there are questions about this tonight, but one of the things I'm noticing, you can confirm or dismiss this, but it seems like um, shifting symptoms a bit too, that there, we're seeing different kinds of symptoms emerge in some of the positive cases. Uh, we've seen a couple of times now where a strep throat infection has turned out to be a COVID case. Yeah. Um, so sore throat and some of those kind of correlated symptoms may in, be involved in this. Am I, am I right, wrong? Or is there something that's shifting with this UK or other variants that has us looking at some other symptomology? Well, you know, I mean, to be honest, uh, it's it's a bit of a secondary issue in situations like you guys are because you are testing regular mm -hmm. you know in places where they don't test obviously the symptoms are important but we have always known that uh, infection with SARS-CoV-2 is largely asymptomatic mm -hmm. so uh, and it's the asymptomatic spreaders that are really the ones that are promulgating this uh, this pandemic uh, not the ones who have symptoms, because again, the ones who have symptoms, they stay home. Uh, so uh, in any case, uh, yes, there is probably a bit of a different symptomatology. There is probably a bit more, uh, I think, severity in the uh, in the younger population. Uh, and 
But again, for, for us, for, for all intents and purposes, what we care about is that uh, our tests are still sensitive toward the British vaccine. So that's the main thing is the variants don't yes. stymie our tests. The S proteins oh are still God. there and we're still the able S to proteins are still there. And the vaccine is still working against it because again, it's the S protein. It, the S protein is slightly mutated, uh, the B1117 variant, uh, but it's, uh, and for example, in the, uh, in the PCR studies, mm -hmm. they actually turn out negative uh, because the genetic code is actually different. And, you know, in the PCR studies, you know, out of 50 bases, if you have one different, yes, then it would, the PCR will not recognize. Whereas the oh. one base out of 50 is probably not sufficient to change the outer, the, the way the protein actually looks like. So the antigen will still catch it. So but actually PCR, antigen small, may be above PCR right yeah, now. Yeah, it actually is. And that's why, you know, so obviously the PCR tests have always been, or have been since you know, probably nine months or so, targeting three different genes. And only one of them is coding the S protein. Uh, but now it turns out that the one that is coding the S protein is actually turning out negative, while the other two, the RDRP and the N genes, are turning positive. So that's a, that's an interesting development, and yeah. we'll see how that turns out. Obviously, going forward, how, <laughs> how, nimb how nimble is the environment and the tests uh, to shifting in those kinds of situations and being able to adjust? Is that hard well, for them to do? So. Uh, in, uh, I, I would say it's easier with PCR tests to adjust mm -hmm. because uh, you know it's, it's a bit of a mechanical way to sequence a very small sequence of genes. The coronavirus has like, <clears throat> I think 12 or 15 genes. So it's a very <clears throat> short sequence. So it's very easy to sequence the whole genome. Right. And actually uh, discover, okay, so what is different in the new strain versus the old strain, and then develop new uh, primers, which are used to amplify the, the okay. material in the PCR. So it's much easier than the antigen test, <clears throat> which actually, they have to look at the protein under, you know, electron microscopy, under uh, kind of even further... Uh, uh, chemical uh, in silico studies to mm -hmm. see how the amino acids actually interact with each other, uh, how, the pro how the amino acid sequences fold, and whether the outer shape of the S protein is different or markedly mm -hmm. or sufficiently different that the antibodies used to detect it in the antigen test, they have to be changed. So it's a bit of a longer process with the antigen test. It's still a matter of weeks, uh, but I would say, uh, you know, if we suddenly discover that the S protein is markedly uh, different, then uh, then we have uh, you know a slight challenge. But for now, the S protein has been in most of the coronaviruses quite stable. So let's see how that uh, how that plays out. Brilliant. Well, that's the latest on the science, and of course, we're continuing to monitor this and monitor the case numbers to determine if there's anything within our protocols that needs to change. But for right now, we have not seen enough evidence to suggest that we should change our protocols, even with 
government announcements today of further closures and such, we're still at levels that are below where we were at in October, um, approaching certainly, but it still seems like we're within that range and we don't yet have a clear idea of where the direction is going to go. For the families out there, our protocol would only have us reacting if the government were to announce a tighter close down that would limit movement entirely. And I, and I, and I, I don't know that we see that on the horizon right now. Uh, in fact, with the announcements today, they left kindergartens and nurseries open. They did push the rest of first through third grade to virtual school, but they kept the kindergartens and, and nurseries open. Uh, but of course, all of the uh, museums, galleries, pools, et cetera, you can find the list on the website have been, have been closed down at this point. Again, for the next two to three weeks with a monitoring of the numbers uh, before any further decisions might be made. Um, but we feel quite confident our protocols are, are solid, they're in place, and we're going to be able to continue until and if there's an increase in those numbers that would direct us through crisis team to make a decision that we might move into virtual. And again, that would legitimately require that there's, um, that there's a shutdown of actual movement and that they would actually be suggesting we should all stay in homes, um, as was done in Italy and a couple of other locations. I think even in Prague right now, yeah. um, there was a, a surge that seemed to come up upon them. Um, and so they made some of those kinds of decisions. So we'll be monitoring for that and we should be prepared uh, for the potential for that. Um, I've got questions up, so I'm going to roll through these uh, and, and try to get to as much as we can. Uh, thank you, everybody, again, for you know putting your questions. Again, I'll just reiterate, it's primarily for questions that we can legitimately answer. Uh, opinions here, while I welcome them, uh, are really meant for the survey, and I want to thank everybody for filling out the survey and giving us your opinion on those. We watch those regularly. We digest those. We uh, we look at that information as we're thinking about decision-making, so I do appreciate that. Um, the first question up here is about decisions. Uh, a lot of the decisions we made Monday night at the board meeting, and so uh, the board has information from all of our surveys in hand, as well as recommendations um, you know, from uh, various factions, so we'll be presenting that to the board uh, Monday night. Um, and again, as I mentioned earlier tonight, we're open for public comment on those issues. And then I think the board will take a deeper conversation into executives executive session so that they can uh, make an informed decision on any changes that they might be considering for the remainder of the school year. So um, thank you for that. Um, I'm just going to suggest, because there's hints in some of these other questions as well, um, that there's a suggestion that we will be traveling at spring break. And Dr. O, I'm going to suggest that my advice is going to be the same as always. I'm not sure I see that yet. Uh, vaccinations, if they've been received, are still only first dose, not second yet. Um, aren't we really still in a stage of not recommending unnecessary travel? Um, and do we see a potential tightening of that uh, just because of the variant and movement of it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to be honest, looking at the situation now, it reminds me a bit of October, November last year. And the numbers are also reminding us of that uh, time. So I would say it's even, uh, <clears throat> it's even less prudent now to travel than it was back in November. So... Stay home, guys. I mean, seriously, it's not the time yet. Uh, 
and uh, and this is uh, you know as 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 uh, as bad a time as ever probably <clears throat> given again the new variant and the fact that uh, I think in general we are tired and in general there is maybe a bit of a uh, you know hope in the air that oh we we will have vaccinations soon so we might as well uh, you know take the risk no not worth taking the risk yeah. I think that's something we just have to keep reiterating. Of course, we can't control what everyone chooses to do, um, but you know we have to keep putting the recommendation out there that uh, we want people to be safe. We want people to make good decisions. And remember, <clears throat> sorry to, to jump in, but remember that the governments these days, they take decisions literally with kind of a day's notice sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's not so bad to be, to be stuck somewhere in Hawaii for a few months, uh, but uh, that's the risk that you may be taking as, you know, being stuck somewhere and not being able to come back. Uh, and if you're on a little island uh, somewhere in the, uh, you know, Indian Ocean with no access to healthcare, et cetera, et cetera, it gets uh, probably a slightly uh, claustrophobic. And yeah, and a bit more risky, that's for sure. Um, we've got a call for the virtual school the week after April holiday. We've considered this and we do not currently intend a virtual week after the April holiday. We have our two days already planned for testing. Uh, anyone who travels during the April break, of course, will have the seven day exclusion. Um, and uh, we have no evidence from the February break that a virtual week would have been needed. We did do it for high school, but that was for different reason because of what we caught in the testing. And that's still possible if we came back and we did testing and we found cases that's still possible we could select a cohort uh, for virtual at that time. And we could still make a decision to go to virtual right up to the last couple of days before we go to break if we see community spread and numbers that suggest that we should. Um, but for us to say now that we're going to do virtual after April break, I, we don't see the conditions to support that decision. And so that's not our plan at this point. Um, next one up is uh, exhausted and fed up teacher. I know everybody's tired out there and I appreciate that. So please don't feel bad about that. Um, but uh, many families traveling in April simply put their kids in virtual school the week after. Teachers don't have that luxury. Well, again, we're saying don't travel. So it's not a luxury to be able to travel at this point in time. Uh, we know that some families will still choose to do that. And most, everybody really was very responsible in terms of taking the exclusion time. We did have more kids thus in virtual environment. Parents, I would ask you to consider the load that you're putting on teachers by piling more kids into virtual school by choosing to travel during the April break and then taking that exclusion. While we're happy to support you, and we'll certainly do that both in that program and in our and on our hybrid program for the longer term, um, I would ask you to consider that load and what you're putting on teachers, and maybe lower your expectations for how much you can expect from teachers for your kids during that exclusionary time uh, when you've made that choice to travel. So I'll just put that out there for your consideration. Um, as you're making your plans. And I know people have plans. I know they're thinking about it. But again, be thoughtful and be cautious and, and consider options or alternatives. Um, we've got school will be have been in session for the required amount of days, even with the spring break to end a week earlier in June. Again, that's going to come up uh, 
uh, Monday night with the board, they have uh, all of the information in front of them. And so they'll make that dis uh, decision. Um, big thank you to the entire school team for all you've done for our children and community. It's much appreciated. And, and parents, I just want to point out, look, think about the things you're seeing on the town hall tonight, the play, the precious plastics, um, the things going on around the school. I've got one more here that we're going to conclude with. Um, none of that would have been happening if we had been locked down at home. None of that. Um, it, it, in virtual mode, maybe small bits and pieces of it, but uh, to put on a high school musical and still have an audience, even with masks, you know, that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't done what we'd done. So again, I appreciate all the thanks for that and for um, all of your support in making this happen for our kids. We are unique in what we've achieved here and we should continue to think about that and, and, and what our kids have gotten out of that experience and what we've accomplished. Uh, if families travel outside of Poland during the April break, what are the number of days? Well, we're a seven day exclusion. And so we'll be looking for you to tick the box on question five, put in the date you return to Poland and then do the seven days after that in terms of exclusion. Um, there's a lot of questions about masks here tonight, and certainly we're thinking about masks, um, uh, particularly with the new recommendations. Um, I did put out in a couple of notices here now about tightening up masks and making sure you've got good quality masks. If you've got an old mask you've been using for a while and it no longer fits properly or you're struggling with it, time to replace it and time to get it moved up. Um, there are new mask standards out there. Uh, Dr. Rowe, we've talked about this. I mean, we may be thinking about shifting guidance on this. It's not consistent yet, but certainly there's some that are suggesting this FPP2 and F uh, level and above seems to be kind of a target range. Uh, we've suggested the multi-layer cotton and then up to and including the FPP2. Um, we know it's airborne. We know that airborne is the issue here. So mm -hmm. I, what, I mean, you're seeing the surrounding countries as well. What's your thoughts on masks and mask wearing at this stage? Well, I mean, I'm so glad that we are <clears throat> no longer contesting uh, you know, the need for masks as we were a few months ago only. Uh, so um, the CDC is now saying, you know, fabric plus surgical would be good, would be you know optimal, or FFP2 or FFP3, obviously. So <clears throat> I would say, you know, in the kind of in the context of being out there in the, in the environment where we don't control anything, I would say, yes, FFP2. So if you're going out uh, you know, to the store, wear FFP2. Because at ASW, <clears throat> we have protocols that actually protect you guys. We have a couple of Swiss, Swiss cheese layers before the mask, like testing, like daily attestation, et cetera. You are safer. So in a way, you know, I'm, I'm less concerned uh, uh, about masks uh, as long as we wear something, okay? So the three-ply fabric is, I would say, uh, is good enough uh, in ASW situation, whereas in the normal situation where, again, there's, I mean, you, know, you go out to the store, you don't know who is sick. They're not testing anybody at the store. Uh, <clears throat> then, you know, wear FFP2, absolutely. 
Great, good guidance there. And you're right, we have to always be thinking about these things in the context of the layers of the Swiss cheese. And the fact that, as we talked about, we're getting a big chunk of it through testing, through the hygiene protocols, through the entrances, through the cohort Absolutely. isolation. Every one of those things shaves off percentage points um, and they all work hand in hand together. So the, you know, really following through on that. And I wanna praise parents because they're really checking the daily attestation right now. We're getting many messages to SW Health, double checking on symptoms, double checking on, on conditions of family members and what should I do? And it's important for everybody to keep doing that and keep um, reminding us of that. Uh, we're one year into this. I mean, like literally today, I think, or yesterday, it's one year since we closed down. So uh, and in the last year, and then we've been open this entire year. But, uh, you know, we, we know a lot more now about how to protect ourselves. And it's working. The numbers demonstrate that it's working. Check out the statistics and make sure you understand that what we're doing is working. Uh, protocols families should follow as parents start getting immunized. Uh, the one I'll hit, because I think you'll confirm this as well, if you're within the 24 to 48 hours after being immunized, relative to okay for school, we would not have you put that symptomology that is legitimate side effects of the vaccine into the application. But if you ever have a question about that, please reach out to us. Am I right on that, Dr. O? Absolutely. Okay. So, and those include symptoms that are COVID-like symptoms, not so much flu-like symptoms. I get that, but the fevers in particular are on the list for COVID. And so you're not going to report that if it's a legitimate side effect within 24 to 48 hours to an immunization. So, and we did that with staff and pushed that out to them and that worked quite well for us. Anything that carried on after that, we were assessing with individuals and their doctors to assure that it wasn't something other than side effects. And we do have you know, selected instances where um, COVID infections have occurred shortly after vaccination. They're almost always easier than before, but um, we have definitely had examples of that. Um, can't help you on the spring break bookings. If you made a booking and you're going to need to cancel, I'm sorry, I'm not going to foot the bill for that one, but neither is the government when they cancel your flights. So <laughs> I think that's kind of an issue for you and your travel agency and your airlines if you need to cancel those plans based on the risk associated with traveling during the spring break. But I, I value that that's painful. I understand. I really do. Some of these things were booked way in advance, thinking that we would be out of the woods. That was that wishful, positive, optimistic thinking. But uh, you're going to have to make those choices um, for yourself. Um, with the news lately that there have been delays with the second dose of AstraZeneca, um, do you have any sense of supply, Dr. O? Uh, what are you hearing on the wavelengths right now in terms of AstraZeneca? So obviously, you know, there are 19 countries that uh, in Europe that suspended the AstraZeneca vaccination program. So that's actually a different issue. I was going to get to that later, but go ahead on that one. But that means that there is, you know, for us, there is, and, and you know. Oh, I, I, oh, we get that supply? So, so that means that probably supply will be easier in a way because then the other, you know, 10 countries or nine, nine countries in the EU will have uh, better access. Uh, so uh, I, I actually don't know. Uh, it, it's hard to say. Uh, what I can say is the second dose works or 
the overall dosing regimen is has the best data from clinical trials if the second dose is administered 12 weeks after the first one. So we have time, okay? So you guys were vaccinated, what, a couple of weeks ago. So you have two and a half months, yeah. okay? To get to optimum timing, okay? Anything right. less is suboptimal. Anything more is also suboptimal. Uh, so uh, shoot for the 12 weeks, uh, difficult to say. I mean, uh, again, the the, the, the the tides are changing every day. So we, we shouldn't worry too much, but again, we have to watch. This is the first time we've ever done this in human history, so it's really hard to predict. And remember, the first dose already protects you. Correct. And they're actually seeing more evidence now of even greater protection than they originally estimated, uh, certainly for Pfizer with numbers that I saw coming out yesterday. Uh, Dr. O, before we jump on to the next question, there was another number associated with that. And, and, and I think we're talking about this and that's the transmission. And are we getting to the point now where vaccination is going to start suggesting that it also protects trans, us from transmission? I know we right now are holding to protocols on the basis that we're not certain about that yet, but is evidence starting to emerge in that? Frame? There is more and more evidence on that. Uh, the first one came from is I mean the first one came from the AstraZeneca studies where they shown that there's actually a 49% reduction in uh, in risk of trans in risk of infection right from infection because it's important. Uh, <clears throat> now uh, there is some uh, evidence from Israel uh, that there is a reduced risk of uh, infection. The, the challenge with all these studies is that they actually do not, uh, because you should be tracking, you should be actually doing a PCR test every day on those vaccinated people to actually make sure. If you just do it, you know, at intervals, you actually don't know because the, probably the window, if there is some infectiousness, mm -hmm. the window is probably much shorter than normally. Mm -hmm. But there still may be a window. So... And they have not yet done such a study, which would actually track on a daily basis the PCR or the levels of the of the virus uh, in people who are vaccinated and who are not vaccinated. And that's the one that we need because we actually need to track uh, almost on a literally on a daily basis mm -hmm. uh, the viral loads because it may be that this window is actually just three days not 10 or 15 like that. Ah, so it's, a, so it's a lower framework when you're vaccinated. And there you are. Yeah. So it's still unknown. It's still unknown. Uh, and obviously, you know, as, as uh, we get to herd immunity threshold, this question becomes uh, again secondary because it doesn't uh, really matter whether we are infectious or not because everybody is immune. So we might as well be infectious uh, and transmit to others because anyway, uh, the virus cannot replicate much long, much more than a couple of people around us. And ah. they are vaccinated anyway, okay? So again, we would not be worried as soon as we reach uh, herd immunity, at least for example, even in the micro community. Right. Like school and brother, like the bubble of the school. So 
So that's the other thing about this is that herd immunity applies to these subpopulations. Sure, 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 sure. To a degree. I mean, you still have some mixing outside your bubble, but if you restrict yourself or limit that, you could effectively see herd immunity oh, in smaller yeah. communities earlier than we would see it in larger scale populations. Yeah. In schools, we will always, or at least for the foreseeable future, we will have the challenge that uh, we have uh, kids who at this stage are not vaccinated. And we know they spread. And right. we know they get, they get uh, infectious. They don't necessarily get ill, but they get infectious. So uh, for us, the challenge becomes herd immunity uh, in the kind of on the outers, on the outer skirts, meaning the parents, the grandparents, the household members, because the kids can still mingle with each other and kind of spread and bring it home. It will be yeah. less of an issue for the staff and teachers. Yeah. But then it will be more of an issue of coming back home and giving it to, you know, mom and dad and uh, grandma. Right. And the, and the spread. And we're seeing, I think, a little bit more, and maybe this is variant related, maybe not, but we seem to be seeing more family spread once mm, there was an true. individual case. And we're seeing more family members almost domino effect, like you would see in flu season, by the way, yeah. um, going from one family member to another. And it seems like one person's getting well and then the next person gets sick. So definitely seeing that. Um, next question up is about uh, when would we switch to virtual? I think I answered that earlier. It's only if the government chooses to do a more significant lockdown and restrict travel and transport, then we would, uh, I think, be forced into a position of uh, potential compliance. But that's really what we look at. Or if we're looking at community numbers that suggest we should, because the numbers are just so high. Um, Youngest learners wearing masks next year? Don't know. I, I really don't want to project too much about next year at this point. I think it's very early for us to be saying that. And there are different advisories for different age levels. It's not all about five and under. Uh, I think one study says two and under is fine. Uh, certainly our numbers demonstrate that our mask wearing early childhood have stemmed the tide of any infections down there because that's our lowest numbers in the whole school is down at early childhood. And that may just be a function, I know Dr. O of just the dynamics of this disease and, and whether young children actually spread it that much. I know that they've talked about viral loads up and down, but um, it does seem that those young uh, uh, antibody systems are up to the challenge of COVID a little yep. bit more than the adults. Um, do not, some of these are opinions. Do not cancel the spring break. Again, all your comments have been shared with the board. Thank you for doing our survey and appreciate that. Um, existing agreements between ASW and parents, they are in PowerSchool. You just click on quick links and I think most everything's there uh, in terms of uh, documents relative to the school. So if you're missing something or if you wanna find something else, uh, please just reach out to us and we can certainly help you find it. On uh, leftover vaccines in the upcoming vaccination slots, would it be possible to distribute the vaccine among seniors that are 18 years old? No, unfortunately, government's still controlling this. So everything by any agency that's doing shots here has to validate that the person is eligible. And that's why we couldn't offer any extra shots from uh, school personnel vaccination. Those were restricted and limited and they will be in the foreseeable future. But if you read e-notes tonight, uh, we are doing uh, initial interest sign up for the 65 plus population and also for 
medical conditions. Uh, medical conditions are complicated, so you're going to have to talk to your doctor about that uh, in terms of permission. But once you have that permission, um, we have contacts for potentially being able to do immunizations here at school for that group and for um, I think it's like another week and then we're in the 65 plus category. We're 67 plus right now. Um, gotten to a single question comment. Thank you for your comment. Apologize that I'm sharing all the good news of the school. <laughs> Great projects across the board. Um, let us know to postpone questions. No, sorry, this is just an agenda and we are sharing things about the school all the time. Dr. O, any reflections on last meeting statement encouraging others for vaccination is the same as cheering others to bungee jump? <laughs> I don't know what that's about. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, what was the motif on the bungee jumping? I think it I was no something else. I don't remember. Probably, yeah. So I can't help on that. Uh, definitely an early question, but do you consider having summer camps ASW? We are talking about summer camps right now following the same testing protocol. Uh, we think... We have a plan for potentially being able to do that, but it's at very early planning stages. So um, please stand by uh, while we plan that. And of course, we're also waiting on Monday night's decision uh, to determine uh, dates and, and potential options for that. Uh, let's see. Is it true that during Polish National Vaccination Program of school staff members and ASW, some parents, not school workers, got vaccinated? No, it wasn't parents. It was board members. Board members were considered part of the school personnel, um, as, as would normally be the case. This was consistent across other schools as well. And so we included board members. There was nobody else that was unqualified uh, or that was chosen in any way, shape, or form. So please know that. Um, there are uh, over 15 European companies. Okay, this is the stopping the AstraZeneca. Um, this is three blood clots out of 3 million shots. Anything we should be concerned about? Dr. Rowe? Uh, this, this is the blood clots in the 15 countries that have stopped AstraZeneca. You mentioned it earlier, but- Yeah, it's 19 countries. I mean, Prevalency you know, is very, very low. And when compared to other things, it seems like it's not an issue. And I know I've seen articles that have mediated concern about this. I think they were just precautionary stoppages. But your thoughts on this? Uh, you're the medical person. So tell me what well, you It's, uh, you know, I, I don't want to uh, comment on the decisions of the specific countries because I don't see the data and they see the data they uh, there is a for every drug that is administered including vaccine there is a very strict pharmacovigilance program which is kind of looking at these uh, side effects and um, uh, it's up to the regulatory agencies in each country and eventually also the european medical medicines agency the ema mm -hmm. to um, take these decisions. Um, looking at the statistics, uh, the kind of the number, the, the percentage or, or prevalence of these, uh, you know, clot events is much lower than in the general population. But uh, it's difficult to say because, you know, these are just statistics. Now, the question is, if there is a causal relationship between the vaccine and the clot event, even at a very small scale, it is concerning. And obviously the regulatory agencies have to now 
deeply analyze each case and see if there is a causal relationship between the vaccine Mm-hmm. and the clotting event that took place, because that's that's the key one in the end. And obviously, I think, uh, you know, if I were the authority, I would say uh, if I saw uh, signs, signals of that, I would probably say, yes, suspend. Mm-hmm. But don't stop, you know, suspend and do f- quickly, fast, an analysis of what happened, mm-hmm. and then, uh, uh, you know, follow up with the uh, final decision. Mm-hmm. And, and you have never stated you don't recommend vaccines. I think you're like Dr. Fauci. If you have access to a vaccine, get it. I was always the, next the question was like, I don't think I have no idea. Where, yeah, I have no idea where this comes from. Uh, but uh, I uh, please do not put words in my mouth, which I did not say. Uh, this is not professional. Uh, likewise, and frankly, I mean, as uh, far as I remember ever since the beginning, I would say, and I was the one saying, guys, if you have access to a vaccine, whichever one, take it. Mm -hmm. And I was the one saying, if I were to be offered Sputnik in December, I would have taken Sputnik. Yep. Uh, So uh, again, uh, I'm, you know, the first one and uh, I got vaccinated back in January and I'm recommending to everybody and uh, you know we at that the expert we are we are vaccinating as well in the population uh, so uh, please do not uh, put words in my mouth which i did not say mm-hmm. um we already talked about the mass and certainly we're uh, looking at it and keeping monitoring so again i think i've i've talked about that um, seriously, we're doing great. Do you think over a hundred people would get sick if they would have been able to stay home during the last year? Well, but it wasn't spread at school. These were exactly. things that people would have done whether school was open or not. And there were yeah, all drops from outside. That would have happened. And, and so, so yes, yes, yes. All, over a hundred people would still get sick, but yeah. you guys would be staying at home. So, yeah. So I, I, I still feel good about what we've accomplished and the fact that, you know, 90 plus percent of this is outside. And again, we're trying to understand that Slido is not really about commenting. It's really about asking questions and helping us get through questions. So I'm going to go through these uh, maybe somewhat quickly uh, if we can, if they're comment based. Again, the surveys are open for you. Um, Okay, thank you. I'm glad you couldn't find a question to trip me up. Appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, Loosening restrictions for vaccinated people. Um, Yeah, but that requires the second dose. So let's make sure we understand that fully vaccinated is where they're loosening restrictions. And that's why we need to stay the course right now. While you will have some degree of protection, the full protection does not come until after that second dose. And please also note that uh, there are actually not that many countries that are loosening restrictions for vaccinated people. Yeah. So I don't know- In the US, which we all know is, is moderately political. Yeah, exactly. So in Poland, actually, there are no uh, loosening of restrictions for vaccinated people. There's actually only two loosening of restrictions. One is if you have contact with a case, you don't need to quarantine. Yeah. Secondly, when you come back from traveling abroad, you don't need to quarantine. That's it. That's it. There's nothing else. Yeah. Okay. These are the only two loosening of restrictions for vaccinated people, which again, as John said, means two full doses. Yeah. So- I don't see that happening, to be honest. So, you know, share some examples of some <laughs> loosening restrictions because I don't see them. Yeah. 
Uh, this next comment is about virtual weeks as somehow being seen as chances to travel abroad longer by some. And I do agree with that. I, and that's part of why we struggle with scheduling a virtual week is that we do feel like we may be encouraging travel when we shouldn't be. So I appreciate that comment. Uh, if two April is a school day, I think that's the Friday. And yes, it is a school day this year because we were we are taking the whole week. Um, again, I, I understand that, but it, you know the calendars have changed, and of course, these calendars were all discussed and socialized with the community at the time that they were adopted. So um, that's the way it has been scheduled all along. Now, what we added was the two parent conference days um, after the spring break that we'll be using for our return testing. So we'll be talking about that in the week before the break. Um, isn't keeping the school open postponing the end of the pandemic? Well, we don't think so because our attestation and our Swiss cheese layers are doing everything to prevent um, spread and it's demonstrated that it has done that. In what mechanism I would ask, you know, I mean, if you have a, an idea that it does, then uh, let us know because frankly, I don't see it happening. But if you have, uh, you know, if you have good evidence that it's postponing the pandemic, please share next time. There you go. Um, do you know KF94 no. as compared to FFP2? Are they same, similar? Never heard of KF94, to be honest. Uh, KN95, I know. Uh, KF94 is new to me. I will check if that exists. KN95 is the same as FFP2. KN95 is the uh, Chinese notation for FFP2. There we go. Okay, so hopefully that helps. Uh, let's see. What data do we have about variants of COVID? Well, we talked Discuss about that. Yeah, so I think we've covered all of that. Um, PTO members, no, no PTO members were vaccinated um, unless they were a board member. Uh, again, just board members. Please can I explain why SWT teachers cannot have their kids on virtual school? I do not know. I saw this one earlier. I do not know what this is talking about. Um, kids at ASW, are they? I don't know what that is. So I'm not sure what that is. Um, might be, let me think, it might be that we are providing an isolated childcare under our testing regime for non-ASW students that are children of faculty members at the elementary level who need coverage for their students in order to be able to continue at work when the Polish schools close down. So those kids go under our testing regime and then they're monitored by uh, staff that we hire for that purpose in a space that we designate at school. Um, they're kept isolated from the rest of the community, but uh, provides a wonderful uh, backup service for our parents who also work here, who are not, who, whose students are not, so this is our Polish staff primarily, and they're not members of our school community, um, but we, we wrap them in and take care of them when situations like the closure emerges. Um, Recommending vaccines is like recommending bungee jumping. Yeah, I don't know where. I don't know where that's coming. <laughs> Again, I, uh, maybe it's there. Maybe we said that in joke. I said it. Talking about uh, it. And... I apologize. This is not what I meant. I probably yeah. miss uh, said something. But again, I am the first person to recommend vaccines. So guys, please vaccinate yourself tomorrow if yeah. you can. Please. Yeah. Um, Dr. O, we haven't talked about this. I know it's on our agenda, I think, at some point, but we do have parents now fully vaccinated. 
Um, I know we had to forestall our parent testing program and limit that to a smaller segment of the population, but fully vaccinated parents, um, could we start adding them or uh, to our list of admitted individuals uh, to the facility? Or is it too early for that because Let's of the discuss. spread potential? Let's discuss. I think uh, we, should have a, we should have some kind of a policy uh, let me think about it, uh, okay. and let's let's uh, you know let's okay. discuss this um, again. It's it's about loosening restrictions. I'm not that keen yet. Before I see you know solid evidence that this is mm -hmm. uh, uh, <clears throat> you know protecting the community and you guys. Uh, so, uh, but yes, it's something that we have to consider for sure. Okay. So and, and, and again, this just gives everybody a sense of the fact that we're going to continue talking about these things and making informed decisions with a lot of minds at the table before we make decisions on that. But again, thank you for the question. We are talking about it and you can see that we're considering it. Um, somebody wanting to be direct and saying, are you out of your mind asking about refunding? Well, we giggled about that. It's OK. <laughs> Uh, with the recent data that 52% of cases in polar variant and the risks involved, what changes have we made to increase safety versus this condition? Well, we don't need to necessarily increase because we're already at our increased level. I think tightening a little bit on masks, uh, doing a variety of things to tweak the rough edges is probably sufficient to this challenge. Um, it, you I fully agree. And, uh, you know, I mean, last time we were, uh, I think, together. I was about to jump on the call with Dr. Mina from uh, Harvard. And uh, I had a few exchanges with him that night and also afterwards. And we had also with John exchanges with him. And uh, obviously Dr. Mina is the worldwide guru on uh, testing protocols, on safety protocols for COVID. He's one of the most outspoken experts in the field of uh, epidemiology and testing in the world. Um uh, look him up. I encourage you. And I've shared some of his videos in my feed. So I know we've talked some about of his videos before. in your feeds. This is and so exciting that we got a chance to talk to him. I mean, I'm, I'm with excitement. Him. This is very exciting. And uh, you know, I shared with him the protocols that we have, the outcomes that we have, and he was absolutely impressed. And he said this is absolutely best practice, and we're now working together potentially to publish it together with him. So Oh, that's great. You hadn't told me that yet. So now I'm even more excited. That's fabulous. <laughs> so let's see how that goes. Um, but again, um, you know, if you guys would like to have uh, kind of an independent uh, discussion, uh, reach out to Michael Mina at Harvard, and then I'm sure he will be happy to and it's, a, it's just an amazing validation, particularly considering that he was one of our go-tos early in the process of yeah. planning out protocols. And then he's been seeing, and of course, CDC has now moved their protocols more towards his yeah. recommendations, uh, including the addition of the surveillance testing, which we were seeing implemented across the United States right now. And by the way, I mean, every country is doing, is going that way. We are seeing already behind our border in Germany, the uh, move of antigen tests to home, mm -hmm. okay? They're still extremely expensive. So, um, you know, you guys saw that Biedronka is even introducing in Poland these antibody tests, mm -hmm. which obviously I do not recommend. Right. And I never did, by the way, uh, even at ASW, and they were always kind of uh, 
a nice curiosity, but I would never recommend them. But they're extremely expensive, as you guys see. I mean, they're 50 zloty per test. I expect if they come up with the antigen test, they may be even more expensive, uh, which, which is still extremely, extremely expensive. We're still trying, I mean, you know, we are uh, trying to uh, go lower. And Mina has always been talking, Dr. Mina has always been talking about these dollar tests. Yeah, yeah, dollar. And he still is not, he, he is still not there either, you know? Yeah. He's still at kind of the $10 ballpark now. And, and at the same time, I mean, and I remember him talking about this, it would not cost that much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. push production to making a test at that level, that it would, it's very doable and it would cost maybe a hundred million dollars to do that versus the billions and billions of dollars in vaccination and the more advanced testing. Look, I mean, it's... <clears throat> We have done, uh, not, not even not me, but uh, <clears throat> one of our clients actually in uh, Krakow was also a very vocal person about testing and about uh, unlocking the economy through 21st century methods, not uh, medieval uh, methods. Uh, he's the CEO of one of the biotech companies in Krakow. Uh, he actually made the calculation saying that one round of testing of the entire uh, population of mobile adult poles would cost about 1 billion zloty, okay? Mm -hmm. That is one round of testing. So if we did, uh, let's say four rounds every month, mm -hmm. that's 4 billion zloty. Uh, the, uh, just for comparison, the economy has been losing about 1 billion zloty a day. Right, okay, there you go. Lockdowns. Uh, that was the losses. Plus, the government was uh, pouring about one and a half to two billion zloty a day, okay, to the economy to actually make it survive. So we had one billion losses plus two billion, so that's three billion a day. Mm -hmm. As a country, we were losing, okay, versus yeah. four billion a month that it would cost us to test everybody every week. Yep. <laughs> and remain open okay so I, I don't know where people are getting i mean yes it's easy to print money but might as well use the money for testing not for you know just pouring it into the economy non you know just because we need to survive i mean there are better seriously better and more financially feasible ways mm -hmm. absolutely um, there's a protocol request here. I'm going to skip through that. I'm going to get back to Facebook and see if there's anything left unanswered there. But I do have, I know administrators over there answering some of that as well. Uh, pretending there was no, I don't think I said no internal spread. I said minimal right. internal spread, but we definitely are catching it at the door and catching it asymptomatically. The data says that. It was about 5%, I think, the internal yeah. spread. And that's actually in line with the data that we always said, which is, our protocol will be reducing the risk of internal spread by about 95%. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we are actually very close to that. Okay, um, next generation tests, changing tests, things happening in other are, countries. Again, I, I would be happy to receive those comments personally, uh, and not via anonymous, but uh, because I don't know where you guys are getting this information about yeah. first generation, second generation. So please reach out to me because it's not true what you're writing here. Yeah. And the tests we're using are the best tests that exist on the market at this stage. Uh, so if you have, uh, if you find better tests, please come to me and talk to me. 
And yeah. I talk to you personal, you know, that it's, uh, it's yeah. really not uh, professional, coming back to your words, uh, using this as a medium to discuss with me. If you guys want to have a, a serious uh, scientific discussion, please come to me. And I'm extremely open. I mean, if you come with a better test, let me assure you, if it is better uh, and we can uh, provide it at the same price or lower, I will be introducing it tomorrow. So yeah. come to me. Yeah. And we do see, and I mean, to be clear too, there are lots of tests out there, but none of them rise to the level of sensitivity no. that we have through this test or the validation for the pooled testing, which is- I don't know where that comment is coming from, frankly. Yeah. It's... I don't either. I don't either. I uh, appreciate the kids going to school and having a normal school life. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, if I have a negative PCR test within 48 hours, which will be released from quarantine in Poland, do we need another exclusion before school test in August? I don't know if I understand that one, but uh, you know, various uh, protocols uh, for uh, checking and making sure we're safe are all pretty well articulated in our bulletins. So uh, I'll go with that. If you have a specific question, please reach out to me. Um, middle school sports practice is on Saturday. So yes, I can answer that one in the affirmative. We've got sports. And that finishes Slido. I want to pop over here to Facebook as I always do. Um, year ago, a cloth mass, we said cloth, but we're talking multi-layer cloth mass, uh, three layer, I think you said. Three ply, yeah. Three ply, so please uh, consider that. Um, let me stop sharing here so we can come back to you and me together. Uh, there's an ask about the Abbott test, but I think the Abbott Yeah, yeah sure. I have considered Abbott, and Abbott uh, has uh, a slightly better specificity, okay? right? As a, as a standalone, so it has 99.9, .9, we have 99.7, but it has a significantly lower sensitivity than, as, than our roaster, significant. And I mean, so, yes, it doesn't see, it doesn't show in the numbers that much because ours is 96.8 and Abbott is 93.4, but that's 3.4 cases out of 100. Right. We're testing 1,000 people or we are doing 2,500 tests a week. Mm -hmm. Okay, that would mean for us uh, 75 false negatives every week. So that, that's where the magnitude no, of the frequency no, and everything really begins exactly. to catch There's up. There's just you. absolutely no way I'm willing to sacrifice even at, at, you know, a dime of sensitivity. Yeah. Uh, because our protocol is improving specificity anyway to 100% because we are doing every positive test twice, first mm -hmm. as a pull and then as an individual. So we anyway overcome the 0.3% false positivity rate with the double, uh, with the repeat positive test. Right, and so we get the two and everything is, is certified. And I, I'll quick, be quick to point out, well, you're not suggesting that cost is the only factor in this. Um, it really cost is, is the, more about the science, but obviously cost is a factor. We've got to be able to afford it at the end of the day. Yeah, we have to be able to afford it. So in the end, I mean, I have, uh, uh, and we have always you know, discussed with Don, and I have in the meantime, during the year, we have lowered the initial price of the tests. Uh, and uh, the Roche test is actually, when you guys look at the, at the, at the numbers, it's actually the most expensive test on the market. Okay. 
Right? Oh, that's true. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it that way. But because <laughs> we've got it validated for the pooling because of the sensitivity, it actually exactly. works out. So that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm not concerned uh, with cost of the test that much. Uh, because of the pooling, uh, we can actually, you know, factor in uh, this, the, the fact that, you know, even with the most expensive test, we can still deal with it. Uh-huh. Uh, and there are, yes, I could uh, probably buy tests which are 50% cheaper than mine. Okay, 50% cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would never ever uh, offer, you know, even one person, even the, the, you know, the worst enemy that I have. Mm-hmm. I would never offer a test that is even 5% worse than mine. Exactly. Uh, it's not worth even it. One percent. It's not worth it. And uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean, we can have a we can have an open discussion, and I'm happy to share with you guys. Okay, uh, I can offer you a test which is fifty percent cheaper, but it's going to be thirty percent less sensitive. Are you happy with that? That it's yeah. not ninety six, but seventy percent sensitive. Yeah. And if you are, then we go ahead. Then it's fine. But then, but then it's your choice, and you have to sign kind of a, you know, uh, a non-disclosure uh, form saying I agree with all the consequences of right. having a shitty test. There you go. Which is cheaper because I'm not I'm not going to sign the results for you. <laughs> so you need to kind of sign it off <laughs> and say yes, I'm happy with a shitty test with seventy yeah. percent. And and part of this is about taking all of these factors and figuring out that sweet spot where all these pieces come together, yeah. whether it's cost of test, whether it can be pooled, um, you know, what the sensitivity level is, all the cost factors, all of it has to come together and, and, and form a protocol, that layer of Swiss cheese um, that's part of the overall plan that keeps us safe and keeps working for us. And certainly we've got a program that by the numbers has demonstrated its efficacy. Um, not 100%, not claiming that, and I don't think anybody would, but we definitely have done due diligence and have brought a program that reduced risk to the lowest levels possible for our staff, for our children, uh, for our community. Um, And so, again, I just want to reiterate, I think we can be proud of what we've accomplished. there's nothing else of, of significance that I haven't already answered over here in Facebook. So I think we're good on the questions. Um, Dr. O, again, as always, even when we have the toughest of questions, you're always my partner and, uh, and call available <laughs> in, in everything that we do. Um, so we'll talk in the next couple of days and keep working on the other bits that we're working on. Um, but uh, thank you again for being with me tonight. Pleasure. Um, everybody, everybody, I've got one more thing to share with you that I'm going to put up on the screen. It was something that came to me late um, this afternoon um, on Opal, and I'm just excited to see it. So I'm going to put it on the desktop here and, uh, and share it with you briefly. It's a quick video, so please uh, tune in, if you will, and uh, share a little bit about our Opal program and a project they've got coming up. Hello, parents and community members. Thanks for taking a moment to join us for a short video to talk a little bit about OPAL, our outdoor play and learning, which as you know, we're very proud of here at ASW that really engages our kids in some 
quality outdoor rich play that allows them to use their imaginations and to enhance their well-being while they uh, solidify some of their learning that they've been doing in their classrooms. And so today we want to talk to you about a way that you can be involved with the, the next steps of our OPAL journey. Thank you, Jay. It is so exciting to see the transformation ha happening here at ASW to enhance play. Students and parents have seen and heard about the changes happening on the playground, the opening of new zones, adding of more play spaces, and giving kids more stuff to play with, like the bikes and the tires and the loose parts and the barriers and the messy kitchen. And this is only the beginning. As a community, we need your support to continue to improve play. One next step ASW needs is to increase the number of loose parts for children. When I say loose parts, I mean any material that children can manipulate for play for purposes. Children need a lot of different loose parts um, to enhance play because the more diverse and rich the environment, the richer the play can be. What I, what I mean is, what I can do with just a rock, I can do even more things if I add a cup. I can create more things, and if I add another stick and another rock, the more things I have, the more things I can do and different ways I can play and create. So we really want to make this the richest possible environment for our students to grow and learn, and you can help us by donating different loose parts. Thank you everyone for that introduction. Uh, we're gonna turn things over now to the team that has been working here at the school on our Opal Council ideas. And we have a team of teachers who have been working on things uh, over the, the last few months. And we're gonna turn it to them now to share some more details on our plan. Hello. Hello. One of the things that's important to us is to find out what kids want, what materials they want and what do they need. Yes, um, we have an Opal Play Council composed of grade four and grade five students working on a cozy village. For the cozy village, we would like to improve it so that it's warm and inviting for all learners to play in. Um, we are looking for a few donations. Please donate for our cozy village. Bean bags, lead bites, rugs, chalkboards, books, board games, and puzzles. Students also completed a snot analysis don't worry, it's not real snot, uh, but this, it stands for uh, looking at our play area and it's the strengths, the needs, the opportunity, opportunities and threats. So this is a way for students to share with us what uh, we, they think is going well and what we could improve. In this analysis, your children have requested many items you could donate for them to play with. Cushions, mats, hammocks, trampolines, bikes, scooters, matchbox cars, sand toys, fidgets, water toys, sports equipment, and all types of material for building forts or houses or obstacle courses. We also interviewed students to find out what they would like to have in our playground. So, we, so the messy kitchen is a great place to play with, but we're losing every pan and everything. So we're wondering if um, we can have something from your houses that you don't need anymore. For example, for example, pots and pans and utensils. They don't always have to be in perfect shape because we can use anything. Hey, um, if you have 
any small kid bikes or kid bike wheels, feel free to donate them um, because we love with the little bikes or if you have them, these scooters. Bye! Bye! And we asked our pre-K, kinder, and first grade students to draw us pictures of what they want for the playground. I want a castle. We want a tree house. We want a library. I want a playhouse. I want a toy store. In general, we want anything that you are no longer using that is safe for children to play with and repurposed. Last year, we also had a donation drive. You may remember that we used, used these large blue crates um, that were inside. This year, we will be placing these bins outside the ES entrance so that you or your child can drop the items off in the bins. If the items are too large for the bins or too heavy, please contact your child's teacher or the ES office and we'll arrange whatever additional support is needed. We will organize your donated items to restock our play spaces, like the shed. Thank you, Opal team. Thank you, Opal Play Council, for all the work that you've done to put this opportunity together. And thank you to all the parents and friends of ASW who will be making these generous donations of new kinds of equipment for us to be able to play with and engage with on our playground. Thank you so much for being involved and supporting our learning here at school. There you go, everybody. We've got play going on at ASW, and Opal is reaching out to you in hopes of your earnest donations. So please, if you get a chance, uh, take a look at the list. There's more information uh, in uh, e-notes, I believe, as well as uh, bulletins that will be coming out and links to rewatch this video and other videos about this uh, wonderful ongoing uh, central project to our elementary. So thank you, Opal team. And thank you, everybody, for joining us here again tonight. Uh, we uh, really enjoy these times together and uh, no problem. Uh, we can take all the comments and questions and still process and talk everybody through it. Uh, it's important to maintain our sense of community, no matter how stressed or how uh, tired we are, we can all work together, bolster each other and continue on this pathway to making sure we do the best we can for the children we all serve. So have a wonderful evening, everyone. We've had a bit of a longer time tonight, almost two hours, but we kept 53 of you in tow to the very end. Uh, the video will be up a short time later on Zimplicity, as it always is. Um, and if you have questions or concerns, please feel free to reach out to me directly uh, or to ASW Health, uh, and we'll be glad to help you uh, both in those venues as well as in divisional offices, um, anybody, just reach out to us and we're happy to assist. Have a wonderful evening, everybody, and we'll see you in two weeks on the 31st of March.